0: And here on the best podcast available post-draft edition of the BPA, it is Gibbs, it is Gribbs. Happy to be joined by our two contributors throughout the 2019 offseason leading up to the draft, Nathan Zagura and Nick Shook. Gentlemen, we recap the 2019 NFL draft. One that was a quiet Thursday night, but a great Friday night, and one would argue maybe even a better Saturday in terms of what they did, my questions for you as we start to go around the round table here. One word to describe this Cleveland Browns draft. Gribbs, I'll start with you.
1: I'm going to go with uh, prudent.
0: That's a big word right yeah, off yeah. the bat.
1: It's a it's a 7th grade word right there. I think it <laughs> was it was it was not flashy, but it it's somehow I'm I'm not privy to the board that the Browns have, but it simultaneously hit what they believe were best players available, and also hit probably the two biggest areas of need on this team, uh, which I think were depth at defensive back. And, uh, of course, what we've been talking about all offseason was linebacker. And I knew we knew second round was not going to happen for linebacker. There was no one that made sense there. But I'll follow along with what I remember Nathan saying a couple days ago is if you flip – the Mac Wilson and Sione Takitaki picks, and say you got Mac Wilson in the third round, Takitaki in the fifth round. I think people would be even more excited about <laughs> about the, this group of linebackers that you got, but you got them in a different order. So maybe you surprised some people to Takitaki pick, but then you made people thrilled to get Mac Wilson in the fifth round. I think that's huge. I'm not expecting either of them to come in and just start right away, but now all of a sudden you look at that linebacker room and you feel a little bit better about one of the areas where you're maybe the thinnest going into this draft.
2: The word I would use is efficient. I think you identified the issues you had on your team. You needed more linebackers. You need more help on the defensive backfield. Your first four picks went to those spots with a safety, a corner, and two linebackers. And I thought that John Dorsey did a good job of letting the draft come to him. Didn't necessarily force anything. Didn't have to. And I felt like you came out of a draft with some very good players. As he said to me, look, we got very lucky that our board and our needs are matched up seemingly every time we were on the clock. And to get a first-round talent and Greedy Williams in the second round, to be able to get Mac Wilson where you did in the fifth, they love Taki Taki. I just thought it was efficient for a draft class that you went into it without a first-round pick because you got Odell Beckham Jr. for that pick and to come out with some guys that can contribute early I think was pretty good. It's just different, though, right? Because no longer does the draft need to be looked at as a franchise-changing, savior-finding event. It's now just about being efficient and continuing to build this football team, and I think they executed on that.
0: Nick,
3: I would go with value or valuable, and not to sound like a broken record, but I'm pretty much on the. Thank same you page, for making you, the word smaller. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Well, you know, hey, no, 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 for me, get thank you. you. We got to dumb it down. Thank you. You know, uh, it, th- every player that they got seemed to be good value. Now, you know, some people question. You know, you said if you if you swapped Wilson and Taki Taki in, in, in rounds, then you'd be pretty pleased with that as well that, you know, that's fine because they, like, like they said, uh, you know, they, they were in love with Taki and, uh, and also, you know, Shelter Redwine can play a very good safety position. He can play both safety positions, which offers the versatility that you might be looking for uh, on the back end of the defensive backfield going forward, you know, maybe not immediately, but a year or two down the road, this could be viewed as a very good pick. And, and you know, I love the highlight tape of Drew Forbes coming out of Southeast Missouri. Mastic. You know, uh, he, he hits and arrives with serious violence, and I think that's something that they really look forward in this in this class was guys with toughness, guys who flew. Not I don't like to use the phrase "fly around the field" or whatever, but guys who are very passionate in the way they play the game, including how they arrive at the point of impact. And I think they got those kind of tough guys. Now there there were some questions about Greedy Williams tackling, which is probably why he fell to this point. But you know, John Dorsey is is not concerned with that. He's more concerned about coverage, which is what you pay corners to do, which is to cover. And to get him not only in the second round, but near the middle of the second round,
2: I think it's great value. For John Dorsey to say that this was the number one cover corner on in this draft makes it pretty easy to figure out this is probably the number one corner on his board, and the Browns were able to get him without even using a first-round pick. And I think that is probably the most exciting thing to take away, is you have an opportunity now Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams. And you've got great depth now with Terrence Mitchell and T.J. Carey is still here. Philip Gaines was brought back. He said he wanted those five corners. Well, now you have them. You have some guys with some real, unique talents. Well, and
1: this isn't a situation like Denzel Ward found himself in last year. If Denzel Ward hadn't come in and won a job right away, then you'd be like, that's a problem. Yeah, This year, if Greedy Williams doesn't win that job, that's not a problem. That means it, that Terrence Mitchell is probably doing his job to hold him off or even T.J. Carey or someone else. I mean, I think you needed Denzel Ward to emerge as your number one corner last year. Greedy Williams doesn't have the same kind of pressure coming in, and I think that's the best thing. If he, if he does win that starting job, then he is doing something really well.
2: Absolutely, and it gives you a lot of flexibility, too, in how you want to use these corners if If Money Mitch is playing well and Greedy plays well on the boundary, you have an opportunity to kick Denzel Warden and suffocate a slot receiver and go with a different look than we've seen. You have an opportunity to have Denzel and Greedy with T.J. Carey. The the possibilities are endless. And I go back to when John Dorsey told us that, look, T.J. Carey has the ability to play some of that safety position for us. And you can almost envision a scenario where you could have five guys who truly were corners at one point in their career on the field together in passing situations with Mitchell, with Denzel, with Greedy, and then you kick Carey back to safety alongside Demaryius who spent the first three years of his NFL career as a corner in Green Bay. We have a lot of coverage flexibility and options now, and I think that is a very exciting thing for the defense coordinator, Steve Wilkes.
0: Were you guys surprised at all? We knew we were going to go heavy defensively. Were you surprised at how heavy defensively we ended up going? Nathan. No, I was not because you
2: look at this roster right now and you say, where where were the issues? You needed another corner. You probably wanted another safety and you definitely needed some depth at linebacker. On the offensive side of the ball, if we just roll out what we have currently – you feel pretty good about it. You feel pretty good about your receivers. You feel very good about your running backs. You feel great about your quarterback. Your offensive line returns basically five of your top six guys from your 06 of to your top seven, including Desmond Harrison. Plus, you added three veterans who all started games, two on the interior and one at the tackle position. So, And your tight end room is good. You brought in Demetrius, Demetrius Harris to add to David Njoku and Seth Valve and Orson Charles. So I think you felt good about everything offensively, but where you still had those question marks was defensively. So I wasn't surprised at all.
1: By the way, the, the thing that, to note, uh, the two positions that John Dorsey was telling uh, everyone about that were the deepest in the draft, running back and wide receiver, didn't draft a single one.
2: Not one. And I thought the running back move. <laughs> I thought the lack of a running back was telling that the organization outside the building, it seems like everybody is – Duke Johnson being gone is a foregone conclusion. And now he very well may end up being there. But I thought if they didn't draft somebody in this draft at running back, that that was a pretty good sign that at least right now the plan internally, as they've said publicly, is for Duke Johnson to be here and be a part of this team. I
3: think if you look at the roster offensively too, it's just – it's more of a numbers game than anything. And yeah, And you just – Look at the two deep and, and where we are, and you kind of got to it already, but where's the room, right? Where's the room to add guys unless you're talking first, second rounders, and you only had one second rounder, didn't trade back up into the first, which I think was a wise decision. Yeah, You know, why yeah. why burn a pick on a guy who might not even make the roster because there's just not a ton of room? And, and, and I think even on the offensive side of the ball, they, they did what they needed to and added a, a versatile lineman who could play a multitude of positions and has a high upside even though – you know, not a lot of people knew about him. They got him late. I mean, it's, it's it's a good, it's it's a solid class.
1: And I'm not trying to say Dorsey was purposely trying to fool us into thinking he was going to draft a running back or wide receiver. I think the sweet spot for both those positions were at points in the draft where it would have really raised some eyebrows if he drafted a wide receiver. Like, yeah. I think the strength of that wide receiver class was in that second and third round. That might have been a little bit. Weird after what you did this offseason and then running back especially too. I think that third and fourth round was where it was a sweet spot and that might have been a little too high to go get a running back for the current makeup of this roster.
0: I agree. All right. Let's get into a few of our draft awards, our way too early awards. Uh this is just the Browns draft class. Best pick, I could also name it your favorite pick from the from the weekend. Um Nick, let's start with you.
3: You know, this is a tough one. Um, I didn't know a ton about Sheldrick Redwine, Red but I like the attitude he brings. Good and, swag. And, yeah, he's, he, I think it's part of what they're looking to build overall, which is a tough, aggressive, not afraid to talk a big game and back it up type of team. I think he, he'll be a good presence in the locker room as long as he can earn you know the trust of the veterans and everything else and, and do it with his play first and then from there. But I think overall, and this is—I'm biased, but I'm—I'm going to go with Forbes just because I. This is a guy I had no—it was not on my radar. Was on almost nobody's radar. And and SI Prospect X and all that stuff aside, uh, I—I liked the the way. Now he's got some things he needs to clean up, but I love the way he contacts a defender. The way he goes into it. He's got to clean up his hands, but he's got really really smooth athletic feet, and he looks like he can get out in space and open some holes. And I think that is—it's—it's it's really difficult because. We focus on skilled players so much in this league, but and people often overlook you know the offensive and defensive lines. But if you can't block, you can't do anything. And I think it, that's a, it's a very important position group. And we're not a hundred percent solidified there. Down the road, maybe right now this year we're in a good we're in good shape. But maybe a few years down the road, you don't know. So that's why that's my favorite pick.
0: Well, I. I... Sounds like a guy that's watched a little tape, which, by the way, I believe Andrew Gribble was tweeting out the day he was picked. Someone well, the, was all over his draft tape.
3: The only tape that was available of him was a little, you know, highlight cut up from his school from Semo. Of but, course, but it was pretty. It, it was <laughs> it was fun to watch.
1: We're still at, we're still waiting for them to follow us back on Twitter. By the way, Semo Semo no State, State needs to give us a follow if the if we're anyone the there's team. listening, get on board. Got to give us a follow back. We're trying to DM them for some pictures because right now we've got just helmets that we used for Drew Forbes, not on the AP. Wire, that oh. guy, but we'll oh. get we'll get pictures of him very soon. Uh, <laughs>
2: we have this one. You have the one out of SI. Right, yeah, we have yeah. to steal
1: those from Sports Illustrated. Uh, my, my best pick is the – I go with the one where I think there's a different level of expectations on a pick where you trade up to make it, and it just so happens it was the Browns' first pick, and that was Greedy Williams. The Browns made a similar move last year to get Antonio Callaway trading up to get him. That tells me – like I know we, we always – every team, when they talk about the picks they made, it was always – Best guy on the board at that time. That's who we wanted. We thought he'd be drafted earlier. This tells me this team definitely wanted Greedy Williams. They weren't just taking him because he was a, a, a name on their list. They wanted him. They were surprised he was there. They went up and got him at forty-six and paid basically nothing for it. Gave up a fifth-round pick that they probably didn't want to make anyways. Uh, and all of a sudden, you get a corner who has a who has tremendous upside. And if he doesn't live up to that upside immediately, you still fill some good depth and have a, a quality backup there.
2: It's hard. Uh, best pick, there are so many that I think that you could choose, and I'm trying not to make my answers the same to all of them because I think that's certainly possible. But uh, I'm going to go different from what everybody else has said just to kind of keep some diversity here. And, and Mac Wilson, I mean, this is a guy that I certainly expected to be off the board, and you wonder, had Cincinnati taken Devin Bush and the Steelers not been able to get him, see somebody who ends up in Pittsburgh much earlier in this draft, is that was a, a huge need for them. Uh, according to people around the league, attitude issues are the reason he fell. Fine. This guy, five-star recruit out of high school, played the Mike linebacker for Nick Saban in Alabama in 17 starts. I think he had 15 pass breakups and six interceptions or 13 pass breakups and six interceptions. He knows how to play in the middle of a defense. And I think when when we look back at this, to get a guy of that talent in a round where – you know, it's rare that these guys necessarily hit. You're taking a gamble. I'll bet on that kind of talent then, and I think for John Dorsey and company, this, this pick it has a chance to be one of the ones that Super Bowl teams need. They need th- that cheap labor playing at a high level for a few years in their Super Bowl window, and I think Mac Wilson, over the next couple of years, certainly has a chance to do that.
3: You, you talk about a slide. I just want to run this by you. Do you think that maybe teams were a little bit scared off by the lack of notable productivity from Rashawn Evans who had gone in the first round the year prior to Tennessee out of Alabama? It,
2: it certainly is possible. And, you know, for a while there the knock was on those Alabama linebackers that they never were as good in the pros right. as they were in college. So perhaps that what it that's what it was, but I think you're betting on a profile in a guy in Mack Wilson who's shown the ability to be good. I don't think his year this year, and you know better than I would, was to the level that maybe the expectations were after the way he played at the end of the 2017 season. But Nick Saban wanted him to come back, and there, I, a couple of people talked to me and said if he went back and, and, and progressed from this year to next year, this is a guy who would have been a first-round pick in the 2020 draft, and yeah. now we got him in the fifth round this year, and he's going to get to develop under our staff in our scheme, and I think that's a huge win.
1: Yeah, there were three guys that Saban didn't want to go pro that went pro this year. That's a, kind of a record number of guys that don't listen to him. Uh, Deontay Thompson went in the fifth round. Mack Wilson went in the fifth round. Savion Smith went undrafted. So it's, it's a, it, it was an interesting year for them. I think the, the issue with Mac this year was I think a combination of huge expectations because of the way he finished the previous season. He was arguably the best defensive player on that team to finish the year and then consistency issues. Did didn't have it seemingly have it every game decision making uh, was maybe an issue with him as well and, it's, and again, we, you, t- you knock the Alabama linebackers when they come in the, in the pros, but I think he, there's an expectation there that maybe he didn't live up to uh, maybe game by game because those players when they play there, they play pretty well even the ones who didn't make it in the pros. So it's it's it, it, it's again it's great value where I think if we if you get him in the 3rd round you felt good about it. Now getting him in the 5th round is a steal.
0: Biggest surprise is it anything less than the kicker. No, I was going to say the kicker
2: so that my answers <laughs> weren't all Mac Wilson cuz I still am surprised that we got Mac Wilson in the 5th round. But yeah, I I did not expect I thought the kicker position would be addressed and competition would be brought in. I was surprised that a pick was used, but when I talked to John Dorsey uh, earlier this week, he said well, from the outset, that pick, our last pick in the fifth round from New England, that was a pick we had tabbed. Austin Seibert was the number one kicker on our board, and we were going to take him with that pick that was always in their plan.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's when you have multiple picks in a round, that's when you start getting a little uh you know like frisky with with your moves it's like when you acquire an extra pick in a fantasy football draft that's when you're like hmm, maybe i'll yeah, take a, right. maybe a I'll take a, maybe i'll take a tight end in the second round like you know <laughs> i'll be that guy that that drafts the position a little too early get the number early. 1 defense yeah I'm just yeah. lock lo- it in lock in the number 1 kicker yeah. you get Justin Tucker early and it's one of those kind of moves i'll go in a different direction with biggest surprise my biggest surprise was in a year where there was the most trades ever within the draft the browns made just one and that seems very undorsey like i imagine he maybe wanted to make a couple more moves try to get more uh maybe some future capital but you already do have nine picks uh, in the 2020 drafts he didn't need a ton more picks there but with the makeup of this roster I I think it was good that you picked seven players instead of eight I wonder if the goal might have been to take six or five and and you just couldn't make some trades there but I think a lot of those teams on the same boats where no one's looking to acquire extra sixth and sevenths and Ultimately, you you end up just having to eat those and make those picks.
2: No, and it seemed like every time they went to the podium, the Browns were, and obviously you're going to say, I'm so happy we got our guy, but they really didn't have to move. Greedy, clearly they were feeling some urgency and wanted to move up, and I'm sure they probably all held their breath when New England traded up ahead of them and ended up taking Joe Wan Williams. But John Dorsey said he knew in the article about Prospect X that Drew Forbes was going to be taken right after them if they didn't take him there in the sixth round. And he said, how do I know this? I know what I know. It's all I can tell you. I just know things. Maybe the Dorse this year was very much plugged into other people's draft boards and knew that the guys they wanted at the spots they wanted were going to be there for him. And he was able to be patient and get exactly who he wanted. The range for that was
3: almost uncanny. He said five to 15 picks later. Five picks away was Green Bay, which is one of the other teams that he had at Forbes had visited. Uh, in his pre-draft process. I think if, if we go with my surprise, it's that Greedy Williams fell to the second round. I know we've talked about it. Everybody's discussed it. But as we sat there on night one and watched all these guys come off the board and none of them were Greedy Williams, I was sitting there thinking, well, this is a guy who was mocked and rated as the number one corner for a lot of the process. And it was still kind of a back and forth between him and Byron Murphy. Neither of them went that night. So that brought a little bit more sense to it. But then the fact that you still had to wait 13 more picks beyond when Byron Murphy went in uh, on uh, day 2 in the second round I, I just it's it very much surprised me when we think about the premium that is placed on the cornerback position and in covering receivers right now and, and how it's such a pass happy league and I mean we're not that far away from talking about guys like Josh Norman and guys like Darrell Revis you know these quote unquote shut down corners and if this is the best cover corner in the draft how is he in the second round so that that was my biggest surprise but hey I'm happy it worked out for us yeah no question
0: about that uh, taking a look at some of the other categories in terms of our draft awards, sleeper to watch anybody with one that really stands out. I mean, we all kind of know who these guys are, but is there one out there that could could be a guy that makes a little more noise come training camp than what we were expecting? I mean, I would say Mac Wilson, but I don't even think he's a sleeper. It's kind of just That's because what... he was picked in the fifth
2: round. So I'll say Taki Taki because I think he was the one name that all of us, you heard that they drafted him and, I had never even heard of him prior to the show we did when Daniel Jeremiah came and I said, Give me some, you know, linebackers who you think could be interested. And he said, Sione Taki Taki, and went off on a little thing, enjoyed obviously his name. But I-, I think he's a sleeper to watch because he is going to bring a physicality, I think, to that linebacker room. Like, Janard Avery has that, but Gennard Avery is a hybrid rusher and is not a guy who's going to fly sideline to sideline, although he has made some great plays for us. But Taki Taki has an opportunity to be that kind of guy. And I think that actually just a combination of Taki Taki and Mac Wilson, I think they're going to push Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey this year. And I think that will be interesting to watch how they develop and what that linebacker rotation actually ends up looking like.
1: I'll go with uh, Sheldrick Redwine on this one because I think he's at the position – Where outside of Demarius Randall, I don't know if you're exactly married to anyone else at any of those positions. You sign Morgan Burnett to a pretty decent contract where you're going to expect him to make an impact. But I think there's a real opportunity where if he's really good, he's going to play. And I I think that maybe on a day where – on a day three where probably the most attention – he probably – even though he was the first pick on day three, he might have gotten – the least attention outside of Donnie Lewis because fifth round you get Mac Wilson, you get a kicker and then you get prospect X. I mean, like, so yeah. now like of the day three picks, we're not talking about the guy that was picked first, but I, I think he's at a position where there's some veterans in front of him, but none that you're going to say, we're not going to play this guy because of this guy. If he's, if he is better.
3: My, I'm going back and forth right now, mentally right now, because I, I, w- I also kind of wanted to go talkie talkie or red wine. Those are the two defenders where they bring that attitude. Like we talked about, and especially Taki Taki for a class where they're drafting guys who arrive with violence, he is one who comes flying <laughs> at you. Missile with Look, no you got regard. little
0: Elliot Wolf on the podium Friday night going, he's violent. And I'm like, oh. Elliot loves him. Yeah, he was that, a big fan. His
1: guy. That Wisconsin game he was at was pretty big. I mean, BYU stunned them, and they were like number six in the country, and Taki Taki was one of the main reasons why they did
2: it. Yeah, he was a star. Yeah.
1: Uh, that will leave an impression on you, just like how Mike Mack and Gruden went to the national championship and came away with four players. So That's right. That's right. <laughs> that, that can happen.
2: Plus, Tacky Tacky has the best draft call story maybe ever. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just like it's, it's, it's going to be legendary. He's only going to go up there. Got the call in the toilet, and now he's ready to go. <laughs>
0: hey, Took care of business. Took care of business.
3: Dropping a deuce, get drafted in the third round. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. Now, uh, so I'd say those two names, hey, right? Go ahead,
0: Nick. Where are you going now?
3: Yeah. But I'm going to go kicker. Because this is a team and a franchise that has, and a fan base that has longed for a guy like Phil Dawson. To replace Phil Dawson. Someone yes. who is consistent over a long period of time, who you can always rely on to make most of your field goals. You're not going to make all of them, we all know that. But especially in clutch situations, and the, the, the front office making it clear that they are placing a priority on this position, which is, you know, guys are recycled all, all the time throughout the league. By spending a fifth round pick, now are there expectations that are unfair that come with being drafted? You know, before the seventh round as a kicker, yes. But you're in the National Football League. You know, you only get one, maybe two shots at this at the most, and then you're gone. So, you know, pressure or not, if you can make kicks, you can make kicks, and uh, and he made a lot of them at Oklahoma. He made a lot of extra points too, yeah. and uh, and so I, you know, I think that's my sleeper because we don't pay a lot of attention to kickers. They come on the field. Four or five times a game, you know, usually at the most, if they're kicking off a little bit more, and then we'll find ourselves in a close game where this guy might be available to drill a game-winning field goal, and suddenly he's a fan favorite. So of course he is, and he's
2: Baker's kicker. He yeah. follows in the footsteps of previous Browns kicker Zane Gonzalez, who was he had the record for career points uh, in among the FBS kickers, and then he broke it. Zane had 494, and Seibert now 499 is the new mark. By so, the way,
1: I love let's go. I love I mean, maybe it's it's almost like kinda of funny when you think about it. I love that on the call you make to congratulate the guy on being drafted, Prefer's already thrown out there. You gotta win the job or you're not gonna have a job, basically. Like he's putting it out there right away. Prefers I mean, it's knows like, not since he's from the Navy, that, he's a military in the, in guy. The happiest moment of this guy's life. He's being told, you know. The you same, haven't done anything. Yeah, yet. you haven't done anything yet. He's yeah. already de recruiting yeah. Yeah. on the draft call, which yeah. I loved.
3: He's, yeah. he's talking about his adrenaline pumping and everything else. But that speaks to what they're looking for from this team,
2: quality football players and competition. And I think that there's a theme in this draft. And you look at John Dorsey's two drafts. Now there is a focus on big school guys who have played in big moments and have delivered in the past. I mean, you look at, let, two years ago, Oklahoma Baker Mayfield was under the lights all the time. Denzel Ward, Ohio State. Nick Chubb at Georgia. The one that you would say maybe didn't quite fit that mold would be, obviously, Austin Corbett at Nevada. But, and then Chad Thomas from the U. And then you got Callaway at Florida, well, given his transgressions. Nonetheless... This year you come out LSU right out of the gate, then a BYU, but then you go right back to the U with Sheldrick Redwine. You've got a kicker out of Oklahoma, Mac Wilson from Alabama. These are big schools with guys who are used to playing with expectations and playing in big moments, and I think that's kind of important for this team because in the past we, you know, we would talk about we've got a lot of leaders, but we did draft a lot of guys in the previous regimes who were on at big schools but that were never the school in their conference. You know what I mean? And I think that is, there is a little bit of a difference with that.
1: Yeah. No, it's interesting. We also, uh, if you're making up the character of this class, and by no, uh, maybe this wasn't by design or not, but you got to get a lot of guys with like an edge or something to prove because Greedy probably thought he was going to be a first round pick. Mac. Mac Wilson probably thought he was going to get drafted a lot higher. Uh, You've you've got uh, an Austin Siebert guy that probably he's coming into a situation where. He knows there may be some fans that are skeptical of his high draft status that he's looking to prove wrong. And then you've got Prospect X, who, by all means, I, I was when I read that story, I wasn't expecting to hear about how he was getting nervous about where he should have been drafted. I, did, I thought Prospect X would have just been thrilled, thrilled the to be drafted. the yeah. call came, but he was sweating it out, sweating through shirts. I mean, I, I think that – so he, he's got something to prove that he's better than a six-round pick. I think there's a lot of different guys here that, by no fault of their own, they, they fell – and the Browns were, were smart to snap them up, where they did.
0: I, I just, I, I think it's interesting because you do get the guys with a chip on their shoulders, but again, all these guys were highly thought of coming out, and for whatever reason, fell, and now they're going to get the opportunity to uh, to show what they can do. Uh, best chance to start day one. Nick, I'll start with you. And I keep awkward. calling you Nick, which is awkward. Shook. Go ahead. It's
3: okay. They're both one syllable. It, it, I guess gotcha. it works. You know, two two syllables total in this name. Uh, I'm going to surprise some people here. Everybody, the easy pick here is Greedy Williams, right? Well, there might not necessarily be room, so let's go with Sione Taki. Let's say that he comes in here right now, and somehow finds a way to get into the, into that role as a linebacker maybe in, in the replacement for Jamie Collins, and, and makes an impact from day one. I think that might be the best shot. We, we have to discount kicker because there's only one
1: kicker. I was going to pick the kicker. No, Come on
3: now. No, that's <laughs> out. He's got the best <laughs> chance. That's out.
0: Uh, I'll, I'll let Gribble regroup. Yeah. Zagura. So this is who has the best chance coming and start? Yes. Your best chance to start day one. I mean, I think it's greedy,
2: but he's going to have real competition for money. Mitchell, or it's the linebackers. I, I think either Mac Wilson or... Taki Taki have an opportunity to play themselves in if, if what we heard at the podium is true from elliot wolf and i would obviously believe that it would be that in this defense you don't need necessarily clearly defined positions at the linebacker spot you want three guys who can go out there who can run and who can lead you've got you have i think you could have situations in passing situations where mac comes in and plays the mic and you put you know kirko and showbert on long side of him to run around and, and cover I think there are a lot of you have a lot of flexibility now I think those linebackers have the most greedies obviously I would say the obvious answer but I think those linebackers both have a chance because there obviously was a feeling that our linebacking core on some level wasn't good enough and that that is a position wants to be upgraded. I think we can all sense that. And so I think there's going to be real competition, and those guys have a real chance to get in there. And for a position that I think went into the draft as a huge question mark, comes out of it, I think, very intriguing in terms of what's actually going to happen. Because remember, Kirko was a third-round pick. Schobert was a fourth-round pick. Schoer was never supposed to be a Mike linebacker in the NFL. Now he's done a great job. He's gone to the Pro Bowl. But now you have a guy who is coming from Alabama that was a Mike linebacker there. Taki Taki, this is the first year he's ever even played linebacker and did a pretty darn good job at BYU. And then Avery is just an animal. So I think there's a lot of flexibility. I think that room, though, these rookies outside of Greedy have the chance to play the most in that room.
1: I'll, I'll talk about Greedy Williams then because uh, the, he is the easy answer, and I'll say he is the easiest answer. because, And I'll focus on kind of a competition with Terrence Mitchell there. There is we've we've seen this happen a lot throughout the years with, with guys like Mitchell and this is no knock game, he had a great season yep. last year. There's a difference in, in camp between being the hunted and the hunter. Yep. With Terrence Mitchell came in with no expectations, worked his butt off every day, and earned that starting job. Now he's coming into a situation where he is by default the guy who is the starter. If, how he responds will dictate whether or not he keeps that job. But I think Greedy Williams is going to come in trying to take that job from him, and we'll see who rises to the top of that challenge. I, I look back. I don't want to compare them, but we the, we saw uh, a, a Jamar Taylor one year be the be the hunter going after that starting job was great. Next year uh, regressed a little bit. I hope I hope for the betterment of, of this defensive back group. I hope we see the same Terrence Mitchell because that Terrence Mitchell will be the starter. If, if you play at the same level, if not better, you will be the starter. At that because he he played even in the games, he was forcing turnovers, doing everything. Absolutely. He was playing at a high level. Yeah, and and that, that, no matter how good Greedy Williams is, that Terrence Mitchell will not be beat in in a in, a, in training camp at and, least.
2: And I think it's really in my mind a three way battle for two spots. Who's gonna who are going to be the two corners on when we play a two corner set, which is not going to be all that often. But who are those two? And then, who are the three when we are in our nickel, which is pretty much now your base defense in the NFL? Because if Terrence plays that well and Greedy plays that well, you have an opportunity. You can kick Denzel inside and all of a sudden be like lock everywhere if they all play to that level. So I think it's a battle between TJ Carey, Money Mitch, and Greedy to kind of see how this all ultimately shakes up. And now, if we don't see Denzel going inside at all, then I think we know that that's not something that they have in their plans. But if you have two guys – because TJ's more of an inside guy. If you have two guys who can play the outside in addition to Denzel, it opens up a lot of flexibility to have Denzel say, which he did not do much last year, you're just going to follow wherever they go. So when you play Pittsburgh, if Juju's going to go slide into the slot, you're going to go cover him. Because I I bet people don't remember this, or some the people in this room do, but maybe listening don't. Last year in week one it got so bad, they had Demarius Randall come play the slot to cover Juju Smith-Schuster. And he did a great job. And that's why, I mean, we just have so much flexibility now in what we're able to do in that defensive backfield. It's the beauty of it, right? Make that's it. what you want. Because now you can disguise who's going to drop to the single high and who's going to come down. And if Carey has that flexibility, it just gives them a lot of options. Right, and you talk about
3: how you know, the nickel is basically your base defense. It's somewhere over 50% on average yeah. now in this league. So, you know, Dorsey talked about it a lot, which is you know you need those five corners of those five defensive backs. You're going to see a lot, and I think they're in a great situation now.
1: And, and Dorsey has a track record, too, of not necessarily – forcing he's not going to force these guys on the field you look back last no. year he had no problem with with corbett you on the sidelines it's going to do better now he's set up to, to play good in year two you go back to the chiefs patrick mahomes drafted him probably didn't think he was going to win that job the first year but knew it was for the long-term betterment of the franchise not saying this will happen with greedy but there could a be a chance a yeah it's, if you have a good team if greedy can't get on the field there it, it, it means this they probably still believe in him but it could be set up for the long game as well
0: yeah all right, so let's take a look now. We've talked about our draft picks. We feel very good about our draft picks and our draft. Uh, the AFC North, uh, while we would have liked everybody to take a step back, I feel like all three teams in our division had a nice little weekend as well. Is there a player that stood out? Is there some a move that stood out that one of those three teams made that just made you cringe a little bit? when that man was taken. I'll give you
2: two of them. Number one, the Steelers going up and getting Devin Bush filling a massive need in their defense that has been the void that's been created by the injury to Ryan Shazier, and I thought that was a great, great pick for them. For me, though, when you think about what the Ravens have to be on offense... I thought they did a very good job of drafting, getting Hollywood Brown, speed, which can stretch the field horizontally as well as vertically. You then get him a big target in Miles Boykin, and then Justice Hill. I know he's a fourth-rounder, but this guy out of Oklahoma State absolutely can fly is another weapon and you can just think of how the defense is going to react when they send Marquise Brown on the jet motion one way and then you're running a read option off of that the other way back with Lamar Jackson and Justice Hill they're going to try to create problems for people that way and I thought they went in without really any kind of offensive identity they left with some and they added Jalen Ferguson who uh, Joe Thomas I know was sitting here like Jalen Ferguson from what he'd seen from him on tape as an edge rusher out of Louisiana Tech in the third round I thought they did a good job I thought the Steel Obviously, again, Devin Bush was big for them.
1: Yeah, I uh, with the Ravens, it was it was clear Ozzie wasn't making the picks this year. It was a very unRavens like draft, and we can question their plan. I question their plan a lot with building around Lamar Jackson, but Same. they are clearly all in with the plan. I mean, yep. that's what that's the what they did with that. I thought the Bengals draft was interesting, and maybe it it, it had more of a like long term vision to it because I look they drafted a lot of guys, but there's maybe. One and a half. That's going to start this year for them. Out of all those picks they made, you, you drafted Jonah Williams. They're going to find a way for that guy to start, either way. But if if Jonah Williams does start, which he's going to, one of your offensive linemen that's getting paid a good amount of money is not going to play. Which that, it, I wonder. Yeah, it's it's a weird weird setup there. Drew Sample's a blocking tight end but he could maybe be a long-term answer there, but they already got Azuma and Eifert. Uh, and then Jermaine Pratt might win a linebacker job, but then they drafted just a lot of guys that they can maybe build on for the future. I think they took a, they took two running backs in the sixth round. They'll see maybe which one emerges as a potential long-term answer or a replacement for Giovanni Bernard. You know, So it was an interesting draft that was built toward the future, but also kind of a reflection that, we, we, and we were talking about this earlier, that this is a team that I think they're chalking up last year's bad season to coaching and injuries. So they're, they're ready to roll it back with the same group this year. And whether or not that works remains to be seen. But, you know, that's a team that could – I'd have no problem predicting a first-place finish in the AFC North or a last place because like, they could really go either way because they still have a lot of
0: talent. Well, you said earlier when we were talking off the air, Nathan, I, I think they started 4-1. Yeah. I mean, that's – they were one of the top teams in the NFL. Forget the AFC. Yeah, they're they not trying
1: they, – the, their draft made it clear they're not trying to overhaul – anything for 2019 they're rolling back with their guys and, and seeing if a new voice guides them and I think with the AFC North is the margins thin enough where that could easily work
2: absolutely and they have a talent they have good talent on offense A.J. Green Boyd uh, Mixon they've got good talent the thing that jumped out to me about the Steelers getting Bush they got Deontay Johnson they've been a pretty good wide receiver drafting franchise for a while Justin Lane who was a guy that many people thought was in play for the Browns at pick 49 somehow ends up at pick 83 to the Steelers we know what that's caused for his family locally and then I Benny Snell is a guy who reminded a lot of people of Le'Veon Bell at Kentucky and they get him in the fourth round. So I thought, again, another pretty good draft there. They went two and two on each side. We went defense heavy. The Ravens went offense heavy, certainly early in their draft. I just thought it was interesting that teams really kind of identified what they needed and, and and did a pretty good job. I thought our division all in all had a pretty good few days in the 2019
3: draft a very interesting uh day three pick that came across the screen for the ravens was quarterback trace mcsorley who is probably not going to play quarterback there but could very much be used in a lot of different packages you could you could put him on the field with lamar jackson like a taste of
2: like what they did in new orleans
3: yes but less power more you know a kind of elusiveness or okay. you know like a a scat back type of situation where both of these guys can throw and they can also run very well, and and they're hard to bring down. So uh, it's something that you look out for. It's over the long term and over the course of a season. It doesn't happen often, but, you know, for a sixth-round pick, that's it adds a little wrinkle to them that could make them even more uh, dangerous offensively. But, yeah, I think this is probably the first year in a long time where we could say every team in the the AFC North got better uh, in different ways. You know, the Steelers trade up to get Devin Bush, like you guys said, uh, was a pick that I did not like because it's going to make them better. Uh, Benny Snell, Snell, yeah, like you said, uh, it's uh, you know he, he could be a contributor for them very early because without Le'Veon Bell, they've pretty much got a thin backfield uh, with you know Jalen Samuels and, and and not much else in terms of experience other than James Connor um, who dealt with some injuries last year, so that's going to add some depth there as well. Cincinnati kind of had a spaghetti at the wall kind of approach, right? Uh, you know they they tried to address a ton of needs just by you know, going after a variety of guys, but I liked that they selected Jonah Williams. I thought that was a good pick. So overall, yeah, I think this division all did very well.
1: Listen, I'm of the opinion Devin Bush was ending up in this division one way or the other. I know. I think the Steelers traded up in front of the Bengals. If they don't do that, I think the Bengals are taken.
2: Jermaine Pratt's in the division. I mean, every, come on, man.
0: <laughs> Take your victory lap.
2: That was my guy. It's not even a victory lap. I just, I have no reason to actually have liked him as much as I did. I just wanted him, and now he's on the Bengals. Pick 72 went before we even had a chance to
0: pick in the third round. Exactly. All right, real quick before we wrap up this segment here, overall draft thoughts. I mean, you had so many storylines from the weekend that maybe didn't have the excitement of your drafts every year, but, man, there were some things that happened between Josh Rosen, the Giants, <laughs> and everything they did. Dwayne Haskins, Gribble's favorite player, D.K. Metcalf. <laughs> I mean, there was, it was quite the weekend, Uh, In Nashville, and uh, a a lot of different things went down and a lot of storylines evolving from that. Nick, uh, your first draft thought.
3: I I, I thought the, the Cardinals handling of the Josh Rosen situation was botched all the way down to the end. I think Miami scored a major coup with getting Rosen for a second round pick. An immediate trade. I mean, it's done. It's over and done with. They've got the, They've got their quarterback of the future. They don't even have to tank for Trevor two years from now, because they got a guy now that they could work with. And and I also thought that the the I think the sports media of their approach to how they deal with Josh Rosen and what they and this has happened since he was in college, since he was you know voicing his opinions as a student athlete, uh, was unfairly harsh. Uh, And in the situation that he was in in Arizona, both from on the field when he was thrown into his first game in the fourth quarter to uh, playing behind a horrible offensive line that couldn't do much of anything, whether it was protect him or open any running lanes for David Johnson, their offense had very little of a chance every week. And then all the way through the offseason and him unfollowing the, the Cardinals on social media after the Kyler Murray thing picked up and everything else, I just thought... That the outside perspective on Josh Rosen has been very unfair, and I hope that he does well uh, in Miami with the Dolphins, where I think he gets a fresh start. That was probably the biggest thing for me, and um, and and the Raiders, some of their draft picks, you know, Mike Mayock's first draft, you know, whatever. If that's your approach, that's fine. But some of them were just some head scratchers.
1: I, I thought the Cardinals draft, and this is not meant to be a total insult to the Browns' 2016 class, but the Cardinals draft kind of reminded me of the browns 2016 draft where they just kept grabbing receivers to see which ones are playing out and they're Keysha. i think that they they were <laughs> in the they were in the right headspace like let's build the best possible offense for cliff kingsbury and and kyler murray and they didn't draft any offensive linemen like which that's a what, that's try. what they it's need been a problem for years that's what they needed and that was they were in such a great spot i mean i, I like their byron murphy pick on on day two that's a, a good corner that can help their defense, but uh Kyler Murray's played behind a great offensive line all the way going back to high school. I, that's that's your franchise right there. And if you can't protect him, I mean, then you, you, it doesn't matter how many wide receivers you have on the field. I mean, I, I didn't like. I would have liked to see Andy Isabella go somewhere else. I worry about him him thriving there. I just, I just, I the Cardinals have confused me since January. So I, I just, I it's just the, their draft re did, did that with with me as well, and I, I just. I don't know. I, it was it was tough.
2: The Cardinals vexed me. I am terribly vexed by what they've done. Basically, in a in a you know, basically a year period, trading up to draft Josh Rosen and then basically giving him away for nothing. The Dolphins masterfully moving down in the second round to pick up a future second rounder in the move down and then. Trait get him for a second round, so they basically gave up nothing and just got Josh Rosen out of their roster. I think that's fantastic. I never expected coming out of the draft weekend that I'd actually be a Josh Rosen fan or care about him in any meaningful way, but now I hope that he does do well, kind of in the face. So I thought he, the video he did was great, staying around for the Larry Fitzgerald He's handled everything perfectly. Game, MVPs of that, wins the home run derby. I thought he just he handled it all very well. So I hope that he does well, obviously, except when he plays the Browns this year. This changes
1: the Dolphins' plan, too, a little bit, I would say Totally. I mean,
2: they've got to feel great. They basically got a guy that most people in the NFL thought was an elite prospect. In fact, the team traded up to get him in the top 10 last year for nothing on their team, for a team that's searching for a franchise quarterback. And I think it doesn't, because of the fact that they literally paid nothing for him, means that they're not wedded to him. They can continue to do what's best in their organization. He could end up being a guy who is on a team that has consecutive, you know, top whatever picks and picks a quarterback, which would be a bummer for him. But, yeah, it's an interesting scenario. It does change that they're tanking. But I also think the tanking for a quarterback is such a difficult thing anyway I think that in Miami, I don't know that that would work with their fans who have so many other options for entertainment in their lives down there. Uh, and I think it's it's a lot easier to say let's do it on paper than it is to do it in reality. And now all of a sudden, you have to feel like hey, if Josh Rosen hits, we have all these assets we can
0: put around him now. I think they're in a great. I think they did. I think they did a great job there. Were you surprised at how far Haskins fell? That the Redskins didn't need to move up like we all thought they might in the days leading up to the draft. No, because you kind
2: of got the sense that he was not what maybe the media had projected him to be. It was not what the NFL thought of him. And then as soon as Ian Rappaport is trying to smokescreen for Mike Mayock in one of the most blatantly telegraphed moves in the history of draft day reporting that, oh, well, Haskins flying up flying our board. Up the board. If somebody needs to get him, you know, you're going to have to come up. I, I, it didn't surprise me at that point. I still am shocked, shocked that Daniel Jones went sixth overall. But if they're right, it's a what? He's worth the number 1 pick? Right.
1: This is where uh, there's been a lot of Giants criticism, most of it fair, and I I'd not in love with Daniel Jones as a quarterback prospect, but I we heard it a lot last year, so we should be the ones defending the Giants on this one. If he's your, guy, he's if your he's, guy, if he's the quarterback you want, I, I don't want to listen to people saying you wait to 17. I don't I, I know people are ripping the, them for the, for not grabbing him at 17 cuz he could have been there. But you can't take that risk if he's the only quarterback you want. You take him at six.
2: I'm just happier that in our press conference afterwards, that John Dorsey didn't say, "Well, I saw him for three series at the Senior Bowl and was smitten. right." I'm yeah, glad yeah, that wasn't what pushed us right. To but the decision
1: the, 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 we, we we you shot down callers for months asking for Saquon at one quarterback at four. That's nonsense. I, I'm, I've seen smart NFL analysts say that, and it just blows, it blows my them. mind. It, it's nonsense. You well, take a the quarterback not smart. Take the quarterback first. Yeah,
3: I don't have an issue with spending your first pick on a quarterback. It's just the guy you took.
1: Right, yeah, that's fair.
2: But if he's your guy and you believe it with conviction, you do. Just like last year, Baker Mayfield wasn't a consensus number one, but John Dorsey believed it. What I think is crazy, if I'm a Giants fan, what I would have the hardest time dealing with, and I'm sure I'm great, I'm so happy Saquon Barkley was there, and what a great rookie year, but I'd want to go back in history and say to myself, so you mean I could have last year just taken Sam Darnold? And then taking Nick Chubb at the beginning of the second round. And all of a sudden, I have my quarterback and running back tandem for the future. So this year at number six, I could do whatever the heck I want. Now, you might not have been picking number six, but you could have been. And all of a sudden, you were saying, okay, I'm loaded up now. I've got my guy numbers. Now I have Josh Allen on this roster. I got the pass rusher. I have a quarterback. I have a running back. I have everything. And instead, you don't have any of that. Oh, and you don't have Odell Beckham Jr. either. You know what this sounds a lot like? Like what used to happen here about Of course. That's why it's so great. It's not us anymore.
3: It's
0: I thought Gettleman had a great first round, except for that.
2: Yeah, but that's a kind of a big. I know
0: he lives and dies with a quarterback, but he will now. Y- you got Baker at DB, arguably one of the top corners, uh, and uh, the kid out of Clemson, Dexter Lawrence. I liked him. I don't know. I know. You do some mental I gymnastics
1: know... with that Lawrence pick when you traded Snacks Harrison the year before for like a fifth rounder, and then just a guy that can play the same ex- – So you draft. traded
2: Snacks Harrison and Odell Beckham for a one and a five to use on a guy that is like a younger Snacks Harrison, if he, right. if he is even that good. I mean, Snacks yeah. Harrison was very, very good. It, the logic in the,
3: what they're doing in New York just doesn't play out.
0: And it will be interesting to see the teams that passed over Ed Oliver and Josh oh. Allen, I'll, if that comes back to bite them. I don't think
2: Jacksonville ever went in the draft thinking in a billion years that they would be selecting Josh Allen. Do you? No. <laughs> No, and they're like, "Oh, okay. Well, he's here. Yeah, let's take him. Take him. Yeah." But I mean, if you think about it from the Giants' standpoint, you take Josh Allen at six. You've just replaced Olivier Vernon in your scheme in your defense, and then you have an opportunity to go ahead. Although it's a different scheme. No, Greg no, Williams no, there, but, but that you, makes sense. Yeah. You would literally replace a guy that you just sent out who's young and is considered to be a pretty elite prospect. And I think you would have been able, if you didn't do it at 17, move around and be able to get. I still think you could have got Dale Jones, but same point. Why risk it if that's your guy and they truly believe their intelligence? Although there are people today sh- shooting down their intelligence that two other teams would have for sure taken them. You never know. And for Gettleman, if they, that's who their guy was, that was their guy.
3: The long debate in the draft is always need versus best player available. Well, there's a, a happy medium where you can do both. Right. The Giants had that chance last year at number two and they decided not it. to do it. Did and, not. and they're still paying for it. And the thing is, That's is they're right. doubling down on what they did by making more illogical decisions.
1: Got a pretty goal rookie of year trophy.
3: It's
2: nice.
1: Stacking yeah. those up. Yeah. Pepsi. The, yeah. Good yeah. job. Good Played job. Of a
2: new generation. Our guy's just busy winning. That's right. all. Right, so. We didn't pick it. We did yeah. not pick in the top six, but we need to Saquon keep Saquon won people some away. fantasy
1: football titles and that's why he won the vote. I'll go down saying that. That's that and, why and where he plays the fantasy football effect helps him helped him win that award.
0: It's amazing. Mr. Gribble, a pleasure. Mr. Zagura, thank you. Mm-hmm. Nick Shook, a pleasure. Thank you. If you've missed any of our episodes of the best podcast available, if you've missed any of the Joe Thomas Film Room podcasts, If you missed any of the Cleveland Browns daily podcasts, log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts today. Next week, be sure to join us for the best podcast available as Andrew Gribble and I sit down with this year's rookie class from Rookie Minicamp. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. This is the best podcast available.